Warning, this episode features a strong subject matter, including coarse language, mentions of suicide, and a strong focus on sexual assault and violence. Hello, straight boys. This episode's for you. I'm going to be talking about sex, baby, as well as consent, toxic masculinity, and rape culture. The purpose of this episode is to help you facilitate healthy and safe conversations with your partners. Now let's talk about it. First up, a brief introduction of toxic masculinity. It's a buzzword that I'm sure you've heard, but maybe don't quite understand. Unlike what Joe Rogan has led you to believe, it doesn't mean that masculinity is inherently toxic or that men are bad just because they're men. Toxic masculinity refers to a series of behaviors that are harmful to men and society overall. It's a construct that dictates the way that men interact with the world, and it's the reason that men are treated as over-sexual beings with no self-control. It's also the reason that boys are taught they shouldn't feel the entire scope of human emotions aside from lust and rage, as well as a contributing factor to locker room talk and for men having higher suicide rates than women. Boys, before we continue, let me just put this out there. You are not alone. Your feelings and insecurities are valid, and they don't make you any less of a man. And I'm sure that if you reach out to your friends and open up to them, they'll probably relate. And if they mock you, they're low-key assholes, and you should get better friends. However, if you don't feel like talking to your bros about that sort of thing, I recommend that you watch the YouTube miniseries Man Enough, where the actor Justin Baldoni sits down to have open and honest conversations with men about all the different factors of toxic masculinity and focuses on becoming more than a better man, but a better human overall. I also recommend that you read Boys and Sex by Peggy Orenstein. She interviewed dozens of college and high school age guys and asked them about their relationships to sex, themselves, their friends, and what it means to be a man. But anyways, let's talk about how the hypersexualization of men has had a negative impact on society. For one, it makes it difficult for men to come forward when they're sexually assaulted because they're taught to believe they should want any and all sexual attention. But guys, just because you get an erection does not mean that you're consenting. Our bodies respond to physical stimuli even if our minds might be screaming for everything to stop. Assault is assault regardless of the gender of the perpetrator or the victim. And it's never your fault that someone else chose to take advantage of you. However, this hypersexualization of men also teaches them to prioritize their own sexual gratification over the feelings and safety of their potential partners. It encourages men to ignore the signs that their partners might be displaying discomfort as well as leads them to believe that coercive behavior is acceptable when it's anything but. To understand this, we must first understand what consent is. First off, consent is sexy. What could be harder than knowing that someone wants to have sex with you? That being said, you've most likely been taught consent on a no means no basis. However, consent's actually a bit more nuanced than that and we should encourage active consent instead of passive consent. Think of active consent as a yes means yes. Sex is all about communication and participation. If a partner is an eager participant in the action, then that's an easy way to tell that they're actively consenting. But if they're a little shy or inexperienced and you're unsure if they're enjoying what's happening, then don't keep going. Stop for a minute and ask if what you're doing feels good. The simplest way to confirm that your partner wants to be there is to ask. Maybe it's awkward and maybe you don't want to stop because it feels good, but whatever you're doing will feel a whole lot better if you're both into it. Now, let us delve deeper into passive consent. Let's say you're with someone, but it feels a little off. They're not as eager as they were in the beginning, so you stop what you're doing and ask them something along the lines of, does this feel good? And they respond with non-criminal answers like, sure, or I don't think so, or I don't know. Just because they aren't saying no or kicking and screaming does not necessarily mean that they're comfortable with the situation. And should this happen, I recommend stopping all further action and asking them what you can do to make them feel more comfortable. With that basic understanding of consent, let's get into some examples of what consent is not. First up, the Brock Turner case. In mid-January of 2015, whilst biking to a party, two Swedish graduate students found the Sanford athlete Brock Turner raping Chanel Miller behind a dumpster. 
When the case was taken to court, Turner maintained the claim that his encounter with Chanel was consensual. However, Chanel was unconscious and inebriated beyond being capable of agreeing to anything when the incident occurred. Hopefully, we all know that engaging in sexual activities with someone who is unconscious is not consensual because an unconscious individual does not possess the ability to say no, much less to say yes. The case was concluded with the judge sentencing Turner to six months in prison. He was sentenced to a total of six months for which he only served three. That and his name on a sex offender's registry were the only price he paid for his actions. And if that wasn't infuriating enough, in a letter to the judge at his son's sentencing, Turner's father spoke of how his son would never be the same, how he now lives in constant fear and anxiety. Here's a direct quote from Turner Sr.'s letter that has faced international backlash. His life will never be the one he dreamed about and worked so hard to achieve. That is a steep price to pay for 20 minutes of action out of his 20 years of life. Did you catch that? Dan Turner, aka Turner Sr., referred to the rape of Chanel Miller as 20 minutes of action. Here are excerpts from Chanel's impact statement. The night after it happened, he said he thought I liked it because I rubbed his back. Never mentioned me voicing consent. Never mentioned us speaking. A back rub. Future reference, if you're confused about whether a girl can consent, see if she can speak an entire sentence. This is common sense. Human decency. According to him, the only reason we were on the ground was because I fell down. Note, if a girl falls down, help her get back up. Next in the story, two Swedes on bicycles approached you and you ran. When they tackled you, why didn't you say stop? Everything's okay. Go ask her. She's right over there. She'll tell you. I mean, you had just asked for my consent, right? I was awake, right? When the policeman arrived and interviewed the evil Swede who tackled you, he was crying so hard he couldn't speak because of what he'd seen. Brock stated, At no time did I see that she was not responding. If at any time I thought she was not responding, I would have stopped immediately. Here's the thing. If your plan was to stop only when I became unresponsive, then you still don't understand. You didn't even stop when I was unconscious anyway. Someone else stopped you. Two guys on bikes noticed I wasn't moving in the dark and had to tackle you. How did you not notice while on top of me? I chose this example because for one, it's incredibly powerful and I would 100% recommend reading Chanel's full statement, but also because we can all agree that as clear as the sky is blue, this was a case of assault and Turner's actions were abhorrent. However, not all cases of sexual assault are as clear-cut as this one. They're not all horrific and violent, and sometimes sexual assault can be more subtle. The next example is an incredibly common occurrence, which means that you might have even found yourselves in a similar situation. Does it make you a monster? No. Sometimes it's hard to pick up on the cues that someone might be feeling uncomfortable and as visible as the discomfort my team to them, you might not be able to recognize it as such. That being said, in no way is this behavior acceptable or okay, and should you come to the realization that you might have done something similar, it's your duty to reach out and make amends. But most importantly, it's your duty to never do this to anyone else ever again. With that preface, let's talk about Aziz Ansari and the issue with assumed consent. In 2018, Babe.net posted the story of Grace, who claimed she had a negative sexual encounter with a comedian. First, we will hear Ansari's side of the story. In September of last year, I met a woman at a party. We exchanged numbers, we texted back and forth, and eventually went on a date. We went out to dinner, and afterwards we ended up engaging in sexual activity, which by all indications was completely consensual. The next day, I got a text from her saying that although it may have seemed okay, upon further reflection, she felt uncomfortable. It was true that everything did seem okay to me, so when I heard that this was not the case for her, I was surprised and concerned. I took her words to heart and responded privately after taking the time to process what she had said. I continue to support the movement that's happening in our culture. It's necessary and long overdue. Now, where his and Grace's descriptions 
differ is about what happened when the encounter turned sexual. She describes first that after dinner, the comedian was in a hurry to leave. Grace emphasizes that they left without finishing the wine in their glasses or even what was left in the bottle. When they got back to Aziz's apartment, it became clear that he was trying to intoxicate her by constantly refilling her glass with wine and trying to escalate the situation. But what made her uncomfortable was just how quickly things got out of hand. Almost as soon as they began to kiss, Aziz had already undressed them and repeatedly pushed Grace's hands toward his penis even after she'd pulled them away. Pro tip, if someone wants to touch you, they will. When someone pulls themselves away from you, they're demonstrating that they're not comfortable with the situation and grabbing someone's hands and placing them on your body after they've pulled them away is not consent. It's coercion. This also applies to pushing someone's head down to insinuate you'd like them to perform oral sex on you. Anyways, Grace claims she tried to de-escalate the situation multiple times verbally by saying things like, hey, maybe we should slow down a bit and in non-verbal ways like not kissing this man back. If you're getting fish slips instead of someone returning your advances, then that's another sign that they don't like what's happening and you should stop and check in on them. She also describes the fact that every time she tried to move away from him, he would follow her and put his fingers in her mouth repeatedly in a move she called the claw and then attempted to finger her. It's emphasized that he wouldn't let her move away from him. She would get up, move, and then he would follow and repeat the claw. But how could this be assault if she never explicitly said no? Firstly, it was clear that he used alcohol as a way to break down her defenses in order to hook up with her. And two, he sped past every red light she put up, meaning that he ignored all the signs of her being uncomfortable. Assumed consent is not the same thing as actual consent. Just because you think someone's having a good time doesn't mean that they are. And the easiest and safest way to know is simply to ask. And not by using questions that are coercive in nature, like, where do you want me to fuck you? Which I'm sorry, actually used. Or something like, do you want to give me head? Instead, use language like, is this okay? Or do you like it when I do this? Does this feel good for you? Those are some good questions to use when checking in on your partner and how they're feeling. Also, consent can be retracted at any point during an encounter. And just because a person agrees to one act doesn't mean they agree to all acts. Someone may agree to perform oral sex on you, but that doesn't automatically mean that they're agreeing to everything else as well. Sex is all about communication and it's important to get consent at every point of escalation. Anyways, Grace excused herself to go to the bathroom and when she came back, he finally asked if she was okay, to which she replied, I don't want to feel forced because then I'll hate you and I'd rather not hate you. He replied with, of course, it's only fun if we're both having fun. And then he suggested that they chill on the couch. This was the turning point in the encounter. Grace describes thinking that he would do something to comfort her, like play with her hair or even rub her back. Instead, when he sat on the couch, he just leaned back and pointed at his penis and motioned for her to go down on him. The next morning, Aziz sent her a text saying that he'd had a good time and Grace responded by saying that she in fact did not. The entire experience had negatively impacted her and she just wanted to make him aware of this behavior so that the next girl wouldn't have to the entire ride home from a date with him. To that message, he responded that he was upset to hear that she felt that way and it was never his intention to make someone feel so uncomfortable. He said that he clearly misread things in the moment and that he was truly sorry. What I don't like about the original statement he released once the story went live is that one, he posed the encounter more as something that Grace regretted and not as something that traumatized her. Two, he emphasizes that he thought the situation was consensual, but he doesn't take responsibility for what he's done. And in my opinion, appears to blame the situation on Grace because he thought that it was entirely consensual. I personally don't think that Aziz really sees what he did is wrong and that he gets it. But I hope that you guys do and that from now on, you'll be more conscious during your encounters. It's not always as easy as just saying no. It's a hard word to get out and sometimes you don't want to hurt someone's feelings or sometimes you feel unsafe and scared that by saying no, the situation can escalate to violence. Please realize that it's not just about you being a good guy who doesn't sexually assault people. That's literally the bare minimum. It's now up to you to also prevent sexual assault from happening by initiating these conversations with the people around you about what's acceptable and what's not. I know that it may be awkward, but you have to have these talks with your fathers and your uncles and your cousins and your brothers, all the men that you know. I will give you an example of when the men around me should have stepped up, but didn't. I'm in a Discord chat that's predominantly male, and a couple of weeks ago, a guy sent some problematic memes and gave everyone else the platform to do the same. 
interesting. I will describe some of these memes. One depicts a woman's head, which has been cropped at the mouth, but you can clearly tell it's pornographic in nature in the sense that you know this woman's performing oral sex on a man, and the caption says, the face you make when you're trying to suck Maggie out of your bowl. Another depicts an anime girl with over-exaggerated anatomy. I'm sure you know what I mean, having said anatomy squeezed by someone who's out of the frame. The girl looks shocked as she has her fingers up and was presumably chastising this individual before they grabbed her boob. The text reads, I like your cup G. We have one that says, no, don't turn 18, you're so sexy, ha <laughs> ha. But the one that really sat wrong with me was a meme depicting a man with one arm restraining yet another anime girl with excuse the language, huge tits, and the other over her mouth to gag her. The text read, it's 2020, I'm done looking for the right one, if I think you're hot, I'm straight up kidnapping you. I recognize that everyone has a differing sense of humor and a different definition of what we think is or isn't funny. However, let's first establish that there's a difference between dark humor and things that are inherently problematic. We have to recognize that all these memes I described perpetuate rape culture. Although none of them specifically mention the word rape, they did hypersexualize women's bodies and objectify them as well as promote kidnapping. According to the Wikipedia page, rape culture is a sociological concept for a setting in which rape is pervasive and normalized due to societal attitudes about gender and sexuality. And I get it. Memes are just jokes and they shouldn't be taking this seriously. But the issue is that these jokes normalize things that are not okay. And just because the guy who sent the memes didn't take them seriously, doesn't mean that the other guys who saw the memes also took them as jokes. As conscious as we are that the media we consume isn't exactly realistic, doesn't mean that our subconscious minds don't absorb the imagery and allow it to affect the way we see and interact with the world. And this is where the good men come into play. I'm the one that had to say that these memes were problematic. In the chat, the only people who really backed me up and agreed that these memes were not okay were the other girls present. In the chat, that the guys were more focused on the fact that they didn't find these memes funny than the fact that they were unacceptable. Is a joke about rape suddenly okay if it's funny? Spoiler alert, it's not. And what's wild is even in private discussions I've had with some of the guys who saw what happened, they agree that the jokes weren't okay, especially the kidnapping one, but they hyperfixate more on the fact that they didn't find the meme funny than the fact that it was messed up. And it's even crazier that although they knew what happened was wrong in the moment, none of them said anything while the incident was occurring. Sure. After I called it out, one or two of the guys apologized for sending memes like that, but it took me and the other girls saying something to get them to stop when it never should have happened in the first place. Side note. When you finish this episode, go on YouTube and look up Charlemagne finally realizes men have been raised on rape culture. He breaks it down pretty nicely, and it's good to hear it from other men as opposed to just one angry and clearly biased girl. Guys, it's your responsibility to call out other men. I can easily keep doing what I did in the chat, but if a man doesn't respect women, he won't respect the words I'm saying. He needs to hear it from another man for it to truly register. This is where your allyship comes in. It means making sure that your friends know what sexual misconduct is and to ensure that they aren't creeps. You can do this by asking them what their definition of consent is, and if they describe anything other than active consent, you need to correct them. But you have to have these conversations with them and even ask if they found themselves in situations similar to what Ansari did. It's not enough for you to not think your friend is a creep. Chances are that if he respects you and knows you won't let things slide, he won't be creepy to women in front of you. And if you have no idea whether this guy is or isn't a creep, it's a good idea to ask the women around him if they feel comfortable being alone in a room with him or even if they'd be okay with him guarding the drink at a party. If they don't, we can probably guess why. Also, stop making jokes that trivialize rape, assault, and harassment. It normalizes things that aren't normal and creates an environment where victims and survivors aren't taken seriously. And one more thing, please change the way you talk about sex. Don't use locker room talk or language that like Peggy Orenstein would say belongs in a construction site. Words like nailed, pounded, hit that, or railed in pipe. Don't talk like that. It phrases sex as something that men do to women rather than with them. It's dehumanizing and it also ignores the pleasure aspect of sex and frames it as something that the powerful do to the weak, which again, is messed the fuck up. That's all the time we have for today. 15 minutes is not enough time to break down all that I've mentioned, but my proposal to continue this podcast has been approved, so expect much longer episodes on the subject with some guests and more personal stories. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and we'll look up the resources I mentioned. Have a great week.